Welcome to the Desire to Dream podcast. I'm your host, Low Wilder. The vision of this podcast is to provide tools on how to become successful in your finances, business, leadership development, and much more. A little bit about me, I grew up in the hood, homeless at the age of 14. I made a choice not to become a product of my environment. And today, I am a successful businessman, community leader, and inspirational speaker. It is my desire to encourage and empower you to unlock your greatness. So tune in and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Desire to Dream podcast, man. It's your boy, Lo Wilder, and I'm just excited. I uh, met this brother, you know, at one of the uh, Eric Thomas conferences here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we just connected right off the bat, man, like-minded individuals, man. And I just see him doing some phenomenal things. Uh, my brother, Shaman Wright, over in Oakland, California. Shaman, what's going on, my bro? What's up? What's cracking, man? You know what I'm saying? We in sunny California right now in the deep right. east and deep east Oakland, you know, uh, in the dubs right now. So, you know, it's it, it's always good being amongst your people, you know, and still doing the work, man, um, and inspiring people in the community that they could do the same thing. So that's why I live amongst my people, you know, and I don't know if I ever really leave my people like that, but yeah. that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Well, look, Desire to Dream podcast, man, it's a platform to help, you know, people that are you know, I bring, I bring on people who are achieving at a high level, right? Mm-hmm. People that are executing and turning their dreams to reality. I see what you're doing. Not only are you turning your dream into reality, but you're also helping others turn their dream into reality. So I definitely want to get in a little bit about the backstory, but you know, um, you can talk about how you're getting your PhD in education. Um, but also, you know, you're the CEO of, <clears throat> of your organization. I want you to talk about that, but kind of share a little bit about your backstory. Cause that was something that stood out to me, man. You got on stage at uh speaker's bootcamp and you kind of shared a little bit about your story. And I was like, man, my brother done went through some things, yeah. some adversity and challenges, but you was able to overcome that, you know, mm-hmm. from alcohol addiction, substance abuse, all of that stuff to be able to turn that dream of getting higher education and also helping and giving back, man. So without further ado, bro, kind of share a little bit about your story for the audience, bro. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I try to tell people this all the time. My story was like, um, it was like God had to take me through some stuff to change the trajectory of my family, especially Mm. on my dad's side. And so, you know, growing up, we we grew up as a family. You know, my dad, uh, he was in prison, got out. He was a recovering alcoholic and drug uh, drug addict. Um, and uh, he ended up meeting my mom in the church, and they got married. And so when they got when they ended up getting married, um, they ended up having us three boys. My dad had a, another three boys on his side, so there was a total of six of us. And mm. so um, mm-hmm. when we grew up, it seemed like everything was going well. We lived in a house in Oakland. Uh, I have all my, my, my family was there. All my family still stays in Oakland. And so it seemed like we were just one big, happy family. Um, and I felt like my father got overwhelmed. Um, and so he started relapsing, going back on drugs, uh, alcohol. He's very abusive to me, my mother, um, you know, mentally, physically, and, uh, he ended up going back to prison, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that ended up causing my mom to go down a spiral as well. And so when that ended up happening, what happened was we ended up losing our house. So from the time I was seven, my father was gone. Uh, my mom, she was lost in the world. Uh, and it was just me and my brothers. We had to raise ourselves. So growing up in the projects, um, after that transition, we had to go to the, to the projects. Uh, we were getting kicked out, evicted, going to homeless shelters. Mm, um, my mom, she ended up, um, my mom ended up going to jail when we were in one of the homeless shelters. So me and my brothers had to go to a group home. And so when we were in the group home, that was actually the first time in my life where I I felt like nobody was coming to save me. And it was Mm. at the age of nine. And so 
I can remember just crying and I was patiently waiting for someone to come, but I realized no one was coming, so I had to wipe my tears. And at that moment, I knew I had to go into survival mode. And I felt like that's when I locked that little nine-year-old boy up to never show emotions no more, never rely on anybody no more. So I could just remember every single day riding my bike to practice, not looking for no rides from my coaches, from anybody in the group home, any adult, hopping on the bus by myself, uh, hopping on bar at the train, just doing everything by myself. And um, it got to a point where um, I felt like I needed money to help provide for my family or to put some food in my stomach. So with me and my cousins, you know, we'll sit there and we'll uh, rob people, whether that was breaking into people's homes, robbing people on the streets. Um, and so I finally got locked up. I ended up getting caught. Um, and when I ended up getting caught, I got locked up, did, my, did about seven months. And from that moment forward, um, I knew that this wasn't really the life that I wanted to live. And I was a pretty decent athlete. I wasn't the best athlete, mm -hmm. but I knew that I needed to get out. And so I remember when, uh, you know, I got out and I was struggling academically and I knew something about academics was the way out. You know, it was like sports was my way out. But I was like, if I don't have academics, I can't make it out of this place. So I took right. so I started taking school serious. I went from a 1.7 to a 2.7, 2.7 to a 3.2, 3.2 to a 4.0. And then the rest was history. That's and then um, and then we ended up uh, and then I started doing really good athletically. Um, I was still trying to find my way. I was still, I was still hanging around a group of friends um, that was still doing the same old, same old. And, you know, and I still was dibbling and dabbling over here. Yeah, to living, live, living both sides of the fence. Yeah, yeah. trying to live both sides. And right. um, I was very fortunate that I didn't really get caught up after that. Um, my high school football coach, I remember um, me and my mom, we were butting heads a lot. And I was actually uh, going to end up moving in with my uncle, but my high school football coach didn't want me to leave the high school. So... Uh, he ended up taking me in, in him and his uh, wife, Kim Pika, and then uh, Coach Wilson Pika. Uh, they both took me in. And so when they took me in, that was another transition in my life. Wow. Where I knew one thing, that opportunity presented itself, and I couldn't waste this opportunity. And there was many people trying to call, you know, call me back to this side. And I was like, you know, something like, I can't waste this opportunity. Exactly. And so mm -hmm. I ended up, I ended up um, you know, sticking true to my truth and, and staying with that process and not worrying about the outcome, not seeing five or 10 years down the road, but just staying true to this process, right. And trying to live day by day. Mm. Um, and because of that, you know, I got a four hour football scholarship to UC Davis. So I played division one football, uh, had a phenomenal career, uh, at UC Davis, ended up playing professionally, played, uh, had some NFL trials, CFL trials, played arena football. Um, and then, um, after that, it was over, you know, it was over and I was trying to figure out life. I ended up becoming a teacher. And when I was a teacher, um, you know, I thought I could be doing a lot more. And so I'll go into the rest. Once we go, I think we'll transition to the rest. I'll probably tap into a little bit more of my story. As nah, we nah, that's good, brother. That's good, so, man. But, you know, yeah. I definitely, you know, you, you got a lot right there that I'm like, bro, the, the group home, right? Where you guys mm -hmm. split up? Was it like you left your brothers and whatnot? So, so when we were in a group home, they did their best to keep us together. So me and yeah. my brothers actually were able to stay together. Um, I feel like that was actually the first time where we stayed together, but we start picking our own paths, you gotcha. know, which, yeah. which was tough. You know, it was tough for us. Uh, I, I was more on the athletic side, um, and they were trying to be athletes, but they were trying to find their way around life, too, not having their mom or their dad in their life. So yeah, that yeah. was a little tough for us, for sure. 
Nah, for sure, man. And, and you know what? It's amazing that that story, because like I was in a similar situation um, when I was 14 years old. My mom got arrested for selling drugs. Yeah. And so she ended up doing four years. My entire high school years, she was in jail, locked up doing her prison time. And I was staying at a home, you know, my best friend, you know, after going from different friends, my best friend's mom allowed me to move in with them, but she had 13 kids of her own, bro. Yeah. I was sleeping on the floor <laughs> trying to make it happen, you know, like hey, yeah. trying to figure it out, figure out my ways. But my football coach also, he, he offered um, to, to allow me to stay with him, but I decided to stay where I was at um, just cause I was a little bit more comfortable. It was my, my whole neighborhood. And, um, but, but my brother, uh, one of my homeboys, Jimmy, was able to move in with him because he was kind of yeah. in the same situation. So it's funny, man. That's that we have uh, some similar similarities, right? You know. Yeah, but that's that's crazy, you know. And I, you know, I think for especially for black men, uh, sometimes when we go through that part in our life where our mom gets taken away from us, where you know, it's like those are vital times where we really do need our mother. You know, Absolutely. because I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, especially for me, I just kind of felt abandoned you know um yeah, yeah and it was like the person who is supposed to be your first love is not there you know and so you don't really have that so it's like who could be that nurturing nurturing person for you you feel me right yeah because yeah. even though people are bringing you in and saying hey you can stay with me like shaman stay with me we're gonna take mm -hmm. you in it's not the same right mm -hmm, exactly. and so you know you're dealing with that as a kid and when you're you're a kid you're trying to think like man is this me like is it is it my fault you know you start to really you know be down on yourself but I know football was my escape, man. It was able, it was an opportunity for me to just escape, play ball, kind of just relax, like, you know, have my boys, man, my friends. But then, like you said, bro, it, it really made me do better in the classroom. Because oh, if yeah, I wasn't yeah. in the classroom, I wasn't going to play. And then it was that, at that moment, my football coach was telling me, like, Lo, you can, you can make it to college. Like, you can play yeah. college football. It, you can go to school for free. At yeah. that time, man, nobody in my family graduated high school, let alone went to college. So yeah. when he was like, man, you know, take this football serious, you know, you can get a scholarship. Bro, I, yeah. I strapped up every every game like, like, yo, I'm looking at the quarterback like you my college tuition, bro. Like, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Hey, I'm coming the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I used to have a mentality, too, man. I used to always think like the person in front of me was a person that stopped me from eating. You know what I'm bro, saying? I used right. to look at the person across from me like. You the reason why I had to go through all that. Like right. it's either me or you. You know what I'm saying? We can <laughs> dog fight, like, and I'm not gonna lose. I've That's been losing right. my whole life and everything. And this is the time I'm not losing. Now after that, that kind of gave me goosebumps just putting myself back in that moment. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, for sure, bro. Like, man, listen, and that and you that mentality, that survival mode, like you're you're constantly in survival mode. So you went to play, you know, in college, you went mm -hmm. played a little professionally and whatnot, and then you had to transition and took the pads off. I don't know about you, but I know for me, it was real. It was crazy because I was like, man, who am I? Who, who am I that, you know, the, the, without yeah. playing football, right? That's, like, that's deep, or, man. Who am I going to be? So I had to find my identity. And it took many, mm -hmm. many years, bro, to try to figure that yeah. out. So what was it for you that was like, bro? Like, Ooh, yeah. That was, um, man, thinking about that moment, because just thinking about how far I came, I can remember when I got back, um, from Nebraska, I was playing arena in Nebraska and I got back and I sat on the bed and it was like five minutes for like five hours. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like, it was like reality hit me that this thing was coming to an end, you know what I'm saying? And so I was really in a deep depression, you know, and this goes into me uh, drinking a lot more, smoking a lot more, mm -hmm. uh, popping pills, 
um, just doing certain things that I usually, I never, like before I didn't, I never drank before I went to uh, college, you know, I didn't do anything and everything that I did do, if I did drink or if I did smoke anything like that, it was like, it was like a social, but it was like barely because I was so scared, but I was doing so many things. And, you know, I was, I was coaching, I was coaching football, um, you know, and it felt like when I was working with the kids is when I found my purpose. Mm. Um, and a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of brothers don't, they're not able to find their purpose once they're done playing. And right. so I was able to find my purpose, but even when I was finding my purpose, I was still lost. And what I mean by that is like, I was still in survival mode because I was trying to create this new identity. And, um, you know, it was like, I was trying to, to surround myself with my students or my athletes and I was neglecting my relationship with my friends or my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I was like, so I was so ready to, to, um, to develop like this new identity that I didn't care about nobody else. And so it was so hard to really balance that. And to tell you the truth, what happened, what happened with me after from, uh, from football until I started my business was in 2019, um, I ended up losing my job as a teacher because I sent in some false documents to uh, the the place that hires the teachers or that holds our paperwork. And, um, you know, it's when I sent in those documents and at the same time, my relationship with my girlfriend at the time was failing and um, my bank account was in the negative 200, mm. 2000. And so I'm looking at my life, like, how do you go from being on, on top to now you down here at the lowest point of your life? And so I had to go to therapy and I had to figure out, that's what good. was really going on with me. And I realized one thing that that little boy at the age of nine that I talked locked was him, like you said, he locked himself yeah, up. Yeah, I no locked him in that little boy. And I remember going to therapy and my therapist was like, you tell your story like a movie. Like mm -hmm. there's no emotions attached to it. So I remember I came back the next day or the next week and I told it again. And she said, put your emotions into it. And mm -hmm. I felt every emotion. And it mm. felt like that little boy has like risen out of me. And um, it was like years of emotions, pent up anger, uh, sadness that was just built inside of me just came out. And, and she was just talking about, you know, I think you need to go to early prevention rehab. And so it was at that moment where I did that. And in this process is when I started my business, That's you know, and I tell people a lot of times, sometimes at the lowest and the darkest moments of your life is when the best inventions are created. Yeah. And, um, and so I was in there and I was just sitting there, uh, working on my business, going to rehab, still jobless relationship, trying to rebuild that, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden my business just started going, you know, and I started to rebuild myself. I started to build the identity. I started to love myself more and more. I started to forgive people, um, started to have conversations with family members. And I feel like that's when the true purpose really came into place. I thought wow. I found my purpose when I was working with kids and stuff, but there's more to me where, you know, talking to my family members, talking to my friends, having a conversation with my girlfriend, like there's, there's the ability for me to shed light on our relationships, for me to help other people heal. It doesn't have to necessarily be about my students, but I had to find that being in the darkest place of my life. Word. Man, listen, I, first of all, I just want to commend you, right? For, for even sharing that and being transparent, because I think a lot of people, especially as an, as an African-American, as a black man, yeah. right? There's the stigma of, of, you know, getting therapy. It's a stigma yeah. of going into counseling. <laughs> and my wife is a, uh, she's getting her PhD. So shout out to wifey. Um, I know yeah, she's going to be listening out. to this, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she's a licensed mental health counselor. 
And we we're constantly having those conversations about the stigma and how we can knock down these walls and uh, the possibility of getting help. You know, for me, it was the 15 year old boy. I told you, my mom went to jail when I was 14, but when yeah. I was 15 and I was living in this house with 13 kids, there was five of us in a room. I'm sleeping on the floor. Like, yeah. I think, I think this time I was sleeping on some clothes. I can't remember yeah. the night it was cold. I had my coat. Yeah. We used to have our coat on. Cause I'm from, I was in Massachusetts, right? No, oh, yeah. no heat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. In wintertime. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wearing a coat, my hoodie, I'm sleeping on these clothes and I'm just like crying. Like, man, why is this happening to me? Right. Man, and I, I never forget like, yo, I know I wanted to be successful, but I never defined success. For sure. So man. all I was doing was chasing, chasing. Mm. I set goals. I crush it. Never really got to celebrate them. I graduated high school. Mm. What's the next thing? Okay. College. Boom. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And it wasn't until about, you know, fast forward and when I went into therapy, like several years later and I was having these anxiety attacks. Yeah. And, you know, you could trick your mind and be like, yo, I'm strong. Cause you always had to be that strong. One, exactly. Right? Yep, you know, yep, you had to be that strong one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm good. They're like, nah, I had this traumatic um, car accident where I had a head on head collision, went into yeah. therapy and my therapist was like, you need to find that little boy that's inside and you need to let him know that you, you need to first define what success is yeah. and go to that 15 year old and tell him it's everything's okay. And I, I remember seeing myself going back and mm-hmm. just mentally going back and looking and seeing that boy just, and I'm like, yo, you good now? Like you were yeah. homeless, but now you got a seven bedroom house, right? Man, I love, you know, that. I love nobody that. Nobody went to high school. Yeah, now you got it. You got a college degree. You good. Yeah. Nobody yeah. had a career. They were they were dealing drugs or they were doing other things, you know, in your family. Mm. Bro, you got a career. You're a successful businessman. You're giving back yeah. to the community. You're doing public speaking. You're helping people turn their dream into reality. So, bro, shout outs to you. Bro. Um, I commend you for that, yeah. man. And, and <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to share that, too, because I just whoever's listening yeah. right now, man. Yeah, I might. Yeah, go ahead. I bro. might go ahead and do that myself. You know what I'm saying? Later tonight, I might do that same exact thing because. I feel like I was the same way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was like you, you, you always like you never could define success. You didn't even know what it looked like. Mm-hmm. All you knew was you had these goals and you were trying to crush it and you were just chasing it, chasing. chasing. But the the hardest part about that was that you're never able to live in the moment. That's you it, can't bro. even like sometimes like even with my business, you know, and what we're doing, like we're doing some amazing things. But sometimes I'd be sitting there like I'm really. A, a CEO and I have employees and one of my employees said bro like I don't even think you know like what you're really doing for your community like you're mm. able to you're able to provide employment man like you're able that, to man. feed Ooh. help me feed my family right and I'm sitting there like like I started shedding a tear because it's like sometimes you just on the go 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 that you can't even really see how you're blessing other people right you know what i'm saying and so yeah. i think that right there was deep because that I, stuff um like that 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 talking to that nine-year-old boy some i ain't i, ain't, I haven't did you know what i'm yeah, saying and yeah. just saying that you know it's all right you know what i'm saying like you're good now you know mm-hmm. like we in a better place like we, we don't have to fend for food or worry about money like you know you're good you know and that's one thing like that um that, you know, I, I just want to take some time in my life to slow down. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Just appreciate just the beauties of life. Man, and what we, God you, gave yeah, us. man. Listen, you have to, bro. I mean, we was I was at the conference, the men's conference uh, that E.T. had here in Atlanta recently. And I was like, 
Jamal King, you know, I love Jamal, man. Shout out to just nine to five millionaire. Mm. Uh, man, he's just amazing, right? And he was just talking about, you know, who told you that you got till next month? Who told you you got till next year? And we take life for granted sometimes. And, you know, when we're chasing these goals, like, you don't know if you're going to be able to reach that goal. You know, yeah. like yeah. 2020, man, I got in that. Before the pandemic hit, I was mm -hmm. in a head-on-head -head collision. I was heading yeah. to a meeting. I was about to present in front of all my peers uh, from my company. Yeah. And I woke up in the ambulance. Wow. Like, my life yeah. could have got taken, it could have got taken away that morning. Yeah. Where a lot of people, they don't get to, they don't get to walk away from the accident that I had. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so um, that's when I really like, again, started having these panic and, and anxiety attacks. And I didn't even know where it was coming from. And, and I'm going to share this on the, on the, on, for the audience as well, because the thing about when you turn off that emotion, Mm -hmm. Right. It's fight or flight. Right. Yeah. And I'm not a therapist. So look, I'm like disclaimer right now. Look, I'm not a therapist. Like I'm just sharing my experiences. Yeah. But most of the time when you're in survival mode, like it's fight or flight. Like I'm either going to fight and stand my ground or I'm going to I'm taking off. Like I ain't dealing with this right now. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that you 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 like a lot of adrenaline and blood starts flowing and. Yeah you know, it's really only supposed to be for survival mode. Like if something was really happening, like if you was getting robbed, somebody put a gun on you, you know, that's fight or flight, you know, but, but you're doing that just because you're just trying to figure out what you're going to eat for dinner. Yeah. And so you're constantly turning that adrenaline up, 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 up. And then what happens over, over time, over years, bro, you can't, you can't control it. Yeah. So you could just be sitting there one day and boom, adrenaline just comes out of nowhere your heart starts pumping and you're like what's going on yeah. so i share that to say like man if you're listening to this podcast maybe you never thought about mental health counseling look i advocate for that my brother shaman advocates for it, oh, it healing yeah. and look and we still we still healing we're still going through that <laughs> process going. You know I, got, I, mean? I got mine this uh this this saturday that's or Friday, actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what's up, man. But yeah, I want to pivot into the business, man, because you are doing phenomenal things, mm -hmm. and I definitely want to highlight that. So, you're the CEO of Bridge Builders to the New Generation, man. You mm -hmm. out there? You, if you're following him on Instagram, Facebook, I'm gonna have all his social media handles so you can go check him out. Doing phenomenal things in California, the Bay Area, doing doing things in Cali. Talk about it. You know, you shared how how you started the uh, organization, but what exactly you're doing in the community. So I'm gonna go back to how it started because I think that story is very important. Um, word, word, so like word. I said, when I was a teacher um, and even when I was done playing football, I was lost. And so being a teacher and working with uh, coaching and working with a lot of black males, I felt like I could be doing a lot more because I had some living with me. I had to take a lot home every single day. Mm. I realized that a lot of them grew up the same way that I grew up. And so I felt like a teacher wasn't really satisfying my purpose. And so what I ended up doing was I was like, okay, let me go ahead and start something where I can, can't, I could, I could prepare our students for college, but I also want to prepare them for careers as well, because we know not every kid goes to uh, have a career. Then on top of that, I need to have them understand how to um, express their emotions in a healthy way, um, how to have different coping mechanisms and not having um, defense mechanisms that's mm. going to keep their emotions uh, bottled up or suppressed. And so um, I realized when I, when I started this, I said, okay, what can we do? I said, the biggest thing is that we believe that exposure equals expansion. So mm. the more that we're able to expose their mind, the more that their minds are able to expand. Word. And we know that a lot of times 
our kids' environments is what keeps them captive. Because I have a lot of friends that are either in prison are dead right now because right. they weren't able to think outside of their environment. So what we do is we are the, like I said, it's for college and career readiness through social emotional support and mentorship. And so we take our students on a lot of college field trips. Um, we do different things like we have the SAT and ACT boot camp. So we prepare our seniors for the SAT and the ACT. Um, we also have tutoring for our students. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school, we have math tutors and science tutors for our students. Um, and then we also, um, over the summertime, we are actually this summer, we're going to do our first ever Will to Change Summer Summit. And so mm. for the Summer Summit, we are bringing in, um, it's going to be a celebrity panelist. So people that are from the area that are celebrities, whether they are, um, you know, women that were uh, former athletes, entrepreneurs, uh, uh, rappers, magicians, whatever it may be, they're going to come out, they're going to be our panelists. Then we're going to have our financial investment day. Um, and then we are also going to have our how to start a business day, how to build your credit. Uh, and then we're going to have our family resources day. So show all of our families um, about mental health, talk about mental health, talk about generational trauma, uh, have a parent day for our parents, our parent session where we could break down generation trauma, gener generational trauma, um, where we could break down um, how to interact with their teachers, uh, just having a healthy relationship with our students. So like I said, our biggest thing is to make sure that we expose our kids to all the opportunities out there that we're able to take them out, out of their environment, that we are able to love on them. Yeah. Uh, and then the last part of, about it is that we have our identity development component uh, mm, because we that. feel like without our when our students aren't able to really understand who they are, then how can they advocate for themselves? How can they take ownership for the education if they don't even know who they are and how they identify and how they show up. So we have our manhood Mondays and we are starting our womenhood Wednesdays uh, where we, as black men, you know, we present, we talk about how to navigate through society, how to navigate through educational systems, how to make sure that you show up every single day and express your culture and your identity mm. um, and make sure that it's not being eradicated when you step on campus. And the only way you can do that for the most part is understanding who you really are and Word. take ownership and love on who you are. And so that's our, our, our manhood and our womanhood uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. And also that's our identity development component. Man. And so, yeah. Bro, that's, that's fire. And yeah. I wish I was, I wish I was out there for the summit, man, because I already know uh, it's going to be impactful, you know, and, and, and anybody can learn no matter if you're youth or whatever. But one of the things I, I heard you just say that, you know, to me, man, was, it, it's amazing. And I think mm -hmm. we need to really expose our kids because not everyone's going to go to college. Exactly. You, know, I think you said something about make careers, you know, yeah. talking about that. So I, I was fortunate when I was in high school, um, I went to a vocational high school. So I was, I took up electric trade. So one week I was in class, the next week I was in trade. Oh, and so, when yeah. I was 11th grade and 12th grade, I was able to work that yeah. out in co-op. So instead of going to school, I show up, work for the housing authority as an electrician, also oh, learn carpentry skills and things like that. So obviously back in my mind, I was like, man, I want to play college football. I knew I was going to college. I always said, I got this electric thing that I can fall back on. So I got something that I can do. And it just amazes me that there's not a lot of schools in the East coast, West coast that, you know, that, that offer this, you know, what are you seeing now? Like these kids that when you're sharing these opportunities, like, oh, like, look, if you don't want to go to college, you can, you can be a, you can be an electrician and, mm -hmm. and make a good living. Do you see the spark? Is there something like they're like, yo, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think, 
and this is what I talk about, and this is, you know, even like going being a doctor student, but when you think about kids that grow up in urban communities or low income communities, they're more fascinated about money than anything. Um, (laughs) And they're not just fascinated with that, but they're fascinated with the lifestyle of what they think money will come with. And so I think what we do is we do, we do try to do the trade thing and we do try to, um, to do, uh, you know, focus a little bit on the trades as well, our vocational skills, but we also try to focus on some of our kids taking ownership and starting their own business. Um, because we feel like that is very important because if you think about a lot of the, the, the best drug dealers are people that were doing criminal activities could have been probably the way better than some of these CEOs of these fortune 500 companies, man, facts, man, but listen. because they <laughs> never had the, no one to show them the way or a different Avenue. It's like, man, you know how to push drugs really well. What about these t-shirts or what about, you know, this merch, this right here, or what about going into real estate? And, you know, um, doing uh, wholesaling our fix and flips, um, our long-term, short-term rentals, like these, this is different ways of buying your financial freedom. Because I feel like the biggest thing is that, you know, and I try to teach our kids is buying financial freedom, right? Because it's like, no matter where you go in life, you might have a spouse, but if you are struggling financially, or if this job is taking up too much of your time, or you have to get overtime just so you can make uh ends Ends meet meet. Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it's like you're losing something somewhere right and so i try to tell them right now like there's so many different avenues that you could take like if money is the biggest thing if that bag is what you really want like these are different avenues that you could take right but i also i also implement this with our students is like before you become an amazing leader first you have to follow Mm. you know you can't just jump into the game and want to to have your own company because you don't like working for nobody because somewhere along the line, you're going to have to still work for somebody. Like you're going to have to present to a company. You're going to have to do certain things. You have to follow up, follow up on paperwork. If somebody gives you money for, you know, your organization, like for myself, we're a nonprofit. So we have to seek grant money and I have to sit in meetings and I have to do different follow-up paperwork. So it's like, I'm still receiving money from somewhere else, you know? So everything is like in everything. And I try to tell my students, if you're trying to get into this, because of one of you just want to think you're going to become rich this is probably not the thing you want to do if you want to get into this because you just don't want to work for nobody that's something that you probably shouldn't want to do you have to do something because this is your purpose Hmm. because i feel like whatever your purpose is money will make room for you you know and there's so like i work in education and people always say there's no money in education right but I created a, a I, I brought value to the educational system and I brought something that nobody else could bring. You know, a black man that was once incarcerated as a youth is now getting his doctorate and have dreads and has his hat and, and dress the way he dresses and can relate to the kids. Mm-hmm. Nobody can bring that to the table like the way I bring it to the table. Right. And and that's so your purpose. That's your exactly. Calling. It's your purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like. I try to tell my kids that all the time, but going back to that, I think we folk, we do bring in, you know, because some kids, they don't want to do that route. You know, they, they are not, they feel like they can't run a business. Are they? So it's like, you know, we have that right there. We have the business or the entrepreneurship uh, component, the real estate component. Um, but we also do have the vocational skill component as well, because right. we know some of our kids, you know, they, they don't mind working for somebody else and they don't mind, you know, uh, following this trade or just, you know, making, having a consistent salary or consistent hourly pay every single month, whatever it may be. So we do that. We bring in apprenticeship programs. 
Um, we are doing some stuff over the summertime uh, with one of the apprenticeships uh, program for our students. Next year, we'll have an internship opportunity. We're going to partner up with somebody through inter internship opportunity for our students as well. Um, we are also uh, teaching some of our kids how to cut hair. Uh, so we bring in some of the local barbers uh, to teach our kids how to cut hair because those are something like, you know, when it comes to vocational skills, those are never going away, you mm -hmm. know, because someone's going to always need their bathroom fix or their house fix, uh, need the plumbing needs, you know, oh, yeah. the roads even, fix, with my, even with my bald head, man, exactly. I still got to get my beard, you know, lined up. Right? I got dreads, <laughs> I got to get my hair cut all the time, lined right. up. So <laughs> it works. It's like, those are skills that are necessary. Those are skills when things go wrong or you need some extra money on the side, you can go ahead and do this. You ain't got to worry about selling no drugs or committing no crimes. Like, we got you, you know? Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the biggest thing that we try to, we try to take away the, the, the thought process of, for me to get fast money, I got to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. We like, nah, bro. We going to make sure we provide you with the resources. So if you ever down bad and you need to cut here, boy, here you go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is a good you. little $100 for you in a day. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah. Nah, that's what's up, man. That's major. And, and I definitely, again, hats off to you for that because it's needed. It's necessary. And like you said, not, there's not a lot of people that are bringing it to the, to our people, right? Black, yeah. brown, Hispanic. Um, bringing them, showing them, giving them that exposure so that they can expand and have brighter futures so that they can't even have a dream. You know, a lot of kids, they can't dream just because of the realities that they're facing every single day. So you creating that platform for them to be able to see, get exposed, man, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing, bro. So hats off to you for that, man. And then, and then one last thing before we go, yes, man, if you can, if you can speak to someone who back against the wall and they feel like giving up, Right. Because we're dealing right now with society where suicide rates is going. It's increasing. Um, you got people who are just giving up on their dreams. They're giving up on uh, starting that business. And when we st we we study the successful people and we see that they they fail 100, 200, 300 thousand times. Yeah. And they finally get that big break. But if there's someone right now listening to this podcast and they, they love everything, they, they soaking up everything you're sharing with them. And you can really give them encouragement so that they can keep pushing through, man. What kind of, what would you sure. do? I say a lot of times when we are trying to accomplish something, we focus a lot on the negatives, right? And we always chalk up the negatives like, this is going wrong, this is going wrong, this is going wrong, this is going right, wrong. But what I want people to do is to write the positives because those small wins, like if you win this much every single day, right? Just this much, this much will turn to this much, this much will turn to this much, this much will go turn to that much. And the hardest thing about life in general is, and the most scariest thing about life is when you walk into the unknown. So every single day, when you are going to a, a place or waking up and, and giving it your all and saying that you're going to dedicate your time and your energy and your effort to whatever it is that you want to do or to your life, and you're still in the same place or the same predicament that you once were in. Now that right there is, it's tough. And I feel like the biggest thing is that through that process, you have to count those small wins. You have to focus on the positives. You have to have a, 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 a faith that you could see what you want to do, that you could smell it, that you could mm -hmm. taste it, that you could feel it. You know, like you have to feel that. 
right? And your brain has to feel that as well, because once once your brain, your brain is the strongest muscle in your body. So once that is able to see that, your body's going to follow and do the rest. So no matter what's happening in your business, no matter what's happening in your life, you got to make sure you count the positives. Every single day, you should write down the positive things that happen. Because like they said, like they said, I think they said there's like 80,000 thoughts that go into our brains every single day. It's probably more than that. I'm just giving the number, I think. But anyways, but they said out of, out of 80,000, probably like, you know, 70, 75,000 is all negative, right? So mm-hmm. we have to tend to focus on the positives rather than the negatives. And so that's the little things that I'll give right. anybody out there that's listening. You know, I say just be patient, focus on the positives uh, and just keep going. Just keep going and just keep you know, swinging that sword or swinging that hammer or that axe and cutting through that wood. That's it, man. Hey, look, I love it, man. And it reminds me of a book that, you know, I got in my library. It's called The Compound Effect. And Mm -hmm. so doing small things each day, you know, each day and it'll compound and compound Mm -hmm. over time. Next thing you know, you're going to look back and see that you're further along than you've ever been and you're closer to the goal if you just take those small steps, man. So. Yeah, man. That's what's up, bro. Hey, look, man, appreciate you, man. Love you, bro. And appreciate uh, man, you, Cali, bro. We're going to yeah. connect, man. For those that are listening, I appreciate you for the support and the love. This is the Desire to Dream podcast. Your boy, Low. Peace. Peace out, y'all. Yep.